want to tell you all about our friend Sandy. This is someone that Steve and I have known for many, many years. Sandy was, um, well, Sandy is severely, severely dyslexic. Severely dyslexic. To the point where he was in high school, I can't believe any adult would say this to a child, but in high school, the guidance counselor told him he would never be more than a ditch digger, which is so wrong, just so wrong. The high school football coach had other ideas. And he got Sandy, Sandy couldn't really read the different notes about the different plays, and so they put him on the offensive line, and all they would have to tell him, block center, block left, or block right. So those were his directions, to block the guy in front of him, or the guy to the left, or the guy to the right. He did so well at football, it gave him confidence. And it gave him confidence to go on. Now, I would love, I hope that Sandy's gone back to that guidance counselor and has informed her, not only did he finish high school, he got a bachelor's degree in college. He got a master's degree in aerospace engineering. He designs airplanes. He was told that he couldn't learn right, but instead he designs airplanes. And he has at least, at least, and this was at least 15, 20 years ago, he had a fifth degree black belt. He probably, I don't know if there's more degrees after that. If there are, he probably has them, but he's partial owner in a Taekwondo shop, shop, store, Studio, gym, whatever, Taekwondo. But to get an email from Sandy is very difficult to read. His spelling's not all that great. When we were at Highland Park United Methodist Church, so this is well over 20 years ago, Sandy came and said, I want to own my own Bible. Mind you, he's in his late 20s to early 30s, and he had never owned his own Bible. We took him to a bookstore where I had a friend of mine working there, and she was able to go to him and say, try this translation and see how it reads for you. I would get emails from him about every other day saying, did you know the Bible said this? Did you know that I, Abraham did this? Did you know that this is in here? In other words, instead of having to listen to what someone else was telling him was in the Bible, he was able to read it for himself and it filled him with joy that he could see these things for himself. He was so excited to be able to read his own Bible. Last month, we talked about grace. We talked about that grace is God's love freely given, that we believe that God's love is freely given to all people, is in all people. We talked about that grace is that which teaches us about who Jesus is and teaches us that church is a great place to be and that being a part of the Christian faith is a good thing. And we talked about that grace is that which spurs us on to serve others, to love those who are hurting, to preach out against hate, to preach love, that that's grace that drives all of those things. So for the month of August, we're talking about means of grace. And we're talking about the way that God's grace comes to us. Now, last week, we talked about Holy Communion, and I understand that in children's Sunday school, they learned about Holy Communion this morning. Is that right? That's what, that's what we learned about. We learned about Holy Communion. Today, we're going to talk about Bible study. Now, mind you, there are many, many means of grace. I've just chosen some that I would like, I guess you could say. So we're going to talk about how is Bible study a means of grace? How is reading the Bible and have being in conversation about the Bible a way that God comes to us and God's love comes to us? I firmly believe, I firmly believe 
every time we open the Bible, whether we're doing a meditation on a, on a verse or whether we're doing intense Bible study, I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit is with us in that moment. Every time you open those new Bibles of yours, God's going to be with you. God's going to be with you. We experience the very real presence of God when we are in scriptures, when we are studying scriptures. I call it swimming. When we are swimming in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is right there with us, teaching us, revealing things to us, helping us to understand these things. The passage that we have today says that all scripture is inspired by God. The literal Greek there is actually scripture is God-breathed. Scripture is God-breathed. God's breath. Now, I don't know exactly how it worked for the scripture writers. I don't know how they felt with the Holy Spirit being there. I'm not really sure how it felt for the, the breath of God to be with them. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you a scenario of my own that I've experienced, but let me be very clear. I'm not saying that I am like a gospel writer or like I'm Paul or anybody else. I'm just saying this is my own personal experience. Are we good with that? I'm not equating myself to, to someone who wrote scripture, but it, maybe it's something like this. For those of you who don't know, I'm a freelance writer, and I write adult curriculum for the United Methodist Church. And I had an assignment many years ago that was, the title of the piece is called Daily Bible Study. You can think of what it is by off the title. It's very descriptive. Daily Bible Study. I was given the scripture to write with. I was given a title. I was given a subject. I was given where that next Sunday's lesson is going to go. So I knew the general direction I needed to go. I don't remember what passage of scripture it was, but I know Moses was involved. So we're early in the Bible. We have Moses involved. And I had, I had my scripture. And I had my title. And I had the, the direction that I was going to go. And I had that direction in mind. And I knew where I was going to head. I knew where I was headed. And I finished that first paragraph. And then it went that way. And the words that came out of my fingers and onto the screen were not mine. And I wrote several paragraphs without any mistakes. I didn't have to hit backspace, which tells you something. Something was happening in that moment, and it came out, and I sat back. My eyes were huge. I was looking at the computer going, wow. Knowing me, I said, holy cow. Probably what I said. And believe me when I say all of my writing, I wish it was that easy. I wish it came out that easy. These were not my words. I would even say these were not my thoughts. The Holy Spirit stepped in and just said, there you go. And it was the most amazing experience of writing I've ever had. Now, I don't know if the writers of Scripture ever felt that way, but it was really cool to have felt that way, to felt, when I write and when I do my sermons, by the way, I, I pray every time, may my words be your words. May my thoughts be your thoughts. In that moment, they were and they hit it. Maybe that's a little bit of what inspired by God or God breathed would have been like. When we're talking about means of grace, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, puts them in two categories. We've got works of piety, which means religious stuff, devotions and religious stuff, and we've got works of, of justice. And then within each category, there's individual and there's communal, meaning on our own and with other people. Bible study falls into both 
individual and communal when we're talking about works of piety. Many of you I know use the upper room. You read the scripture on a daily or semi-daily basis fairly frequently, and you're reading those scriptures on your own. But then you also have times and, and experiences where you can get with other people and have conversations about something you've all read together. The scripture that Jean read says that the scripture is useful for teaching, reproach, correction, and for training in righteousness. That scripture is useful, useful for teaching. Well, it's only going to be useful if we open it. Correct? Correct? Somebody I was chatting with yesterday says, well, when I read my Facebook feed, you know, Bible scriptures are going by, and so I read them that way, and I'm sitting here thinking, you don't know who wrote that if they're actually quoting scripture or not, or making it up, or faking it, or whatever, and you kind of need to look it up for yourself, and see it for yourself, and see if it's correct and accurate. I want to tell you how I became so passionate about Bible study and how I became a teacher of Bible studies. I had been in numerous Bible studies. I, love to re I just love Bible study. I really do. I enjoy watching people's faces light up. I enjoy being lit up myself. I enjoy reading scripture. It's fun for me. I enjoy doing that. Back when we were at Highland Park United Methodist Church, my mother was taking a class called Christian Believer. Now, this is a class, here's, here's big words for you, ready? Here's two big words, systematic theology. Go and impress somebody later today and just say, systematic theology. What that means is that you spend a week on different topics. So you spend a week on sin, you spend a week on grace, you spend a week on Jesus, you spend a week on scripture, you spend a week on the creator, and you break it down into kind of like individual chunks. But as a part of that study, you're reading scripture. And my mother kept talking about how wonderful this study was and how much she was learning about different things. And so I called the director of adult education at Highland Park United Methodist Church, and I said, I think we need to have Christian believer taught at this church. And she said, that's a great idea. I called her back a week later, said, where are we? And she said, well, I haven't found anybody to teach it yet. I called back another week later, and I said, where are we? And she said, well, I still don't have a teacher to teach it yet. And before I could stop myself, the words popped out of my mouth, I will teach it. I have never taught a Bible study before, and I signed up for a 30-week-long Bible study to teach it. But I love it. I love to look at someone's face when that light bulb goes off, and they see something for the first time. Or somebody says, I didn't know that was in there. Or somebody says, oh, wow, that really speaks to me today. I just love swimming in Scripture. But why is the Bible useful? What is it useful for? It says that it's useful for training in righteousness, but then at the very end of what Jean read, it equips us for all good works, meaning it equips us for ministry, meaning it equips us for works of justice, another means of grace. Therefore, the Bible is something that not only is a means for grace for us, it equips us to go out and be a means of grace for others. That's what the Bible does. That's what it is useful for. God doesn't say, okay, go do this and good luck, you're on your own. God says, go do this and here's how I want you to do it. The Bible is very good at telling us what love of God looks like. 
The Bible is very good at telling us what love of neighbor looks like. The Bible's very good at telling us what Jesus is teaching us to do. And because of that, the Bible is very good at saying, how you doing with these things? By the way, you know that homeless guy you passed last week? Probably should have stopped and talked to him. By the way, that person that said, hey, I'm hungry? Yeah, you probably should have given him some food. The Bible's really good at convicting us to do our works better, to love better. I believe that Holy Scripture is a living document. And by that I mean the Holy Spirit is with us when we read it. How many times have you come across a passage that you know you've read before, but because of your circumstance in life right now, it reads a little bit differently? How many times have you come across a passage that you know, I've had that memorized, but wow, does that mean something different with what's going on in my life right now? I love it when somebody tells me, oh, well, I've read the Bible front to back. I'll say, how many times? Reading the Bible once, we don't get it all. Because what it speaks to us when we're in fourth and fifth grade or eighth grade is very different than what it says to us when we're approaching our 96th birthday. Different things come up and speak to what's going on in our lives. That's why I think the Bible's a living document, because the Holy Spirit works with us in that. Our scripture this morning says that the Bible is useful for teaching. It's useful for training us. It's useful for equipping us for good ministry. And it says in there, it instructs us for salvation, for faith in Jesus Christ. Instruction for salvation, that right there is grace. That is grace. That is the means of grace that we have with Scripture. So here's my next question for you. When was the last time you opened your Bible? About 15 minutes ago for these two. If your Bible has dust on it, you might want to dust it off. People would come to me when I worked at Cokesbury and says, what is the best translation? My answer, the one you're going to use. The one that you're going to pull off that shelf and open up and read. A Bible doesn't serve any use if we don't open it. And if we don't open our Bibles, we are denying ourselves one of the primary ways that God fills us with grace and gives us God's love. Think about that. It's your choice to open it. By keeping it closed, you might not be letting God in. So my charge to you this week, go swimming. Go swimming in Scripture. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.